All right, all right, all right. What is up, everyone? Hi, I am Liza Monet Morales. I am so excited to be here with you all today. If you know me, you know how dedicated I am to our community. And something that I was really inspired by start by actually you all last year was starting Homework for Change, hashtag Homework for Change. If you follow me on Instagram or anything social, you know that I'm XOXO Liza with two Z's, please. And one of the reasons that I started that was because I realized that there was a lot going on in the world that was at such a complicated level that if you were at home, especially in the middle of this pandemic, you could have felt helpless. At least I know I was of, okay, how do I get involved? How can I make change? And so with that, that inspired daily homework assignments that I could definitely do the heavy lifting and then share them on my socials and then very easily make it uh, for each of you to get involved in your community, whether that was writing petitions, whether that's joining protests, whether that's calling your elected uh, officials to help save lives, to help stand up for the rights of others. So, you know, it has really run the gamut. And one of the things that I'm excited for 2021 is to continue building on what we started in 2020 by also having really candid conversations because there's one thing to say that we're demanding better of those that are elected uh, into office by us but in addition even from the brands we shop right so what are brands actually doing now that we've come out of Black Lives Matter, we're still in it, we're still advocating for Black Lives Matter, but we've come out of 2020, we've made it very clear that this issue doesn't just matter in the African American community, it's an issue that impacts all of us and that affects all of us, and that really matters to so many of us. And so I was super honored and excited when my friends at Walmart said that Kevin Frazier, who's gonna join us today, he is a, a fantastic soul, uh, was available to chat so that we could really do this deep dive because one of the other things we're also noticing is that there's a lot of questions about how do you deal with racial inequity as well as equity now in the workplace and how do you deal with inclusion now right now that we're on this other side whether you're remote working or you're trying to uh, start a new chapter in your life so with that we also know that there's a lot of people looking for jobs and i want to share some of the different areas uh, that you may maybe not think of right away when you think of walmart that are available to different skill sets as well as the opportunities and uh really spotlight what walmart is doing to not just talk about it but be about it. So without further ado, I'm super excited to have my friend, uh, totally just love, and really someone that I'm inspired by, Kevin Frazier. Kevin! Liza, what's up, homegirl? Hello, happy uh, Friday Junior, as I like to call it. Right on, thank you, how are you? <laughs> I'm so well. Uh, so do tell everybody at home what your official role is. I love how long it is. I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is like the best title. I don't know how it all fits on his card, but this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, un unfortunately now I got to say it because you put me on the spot and it's really long. Uh, but I am um, pretty much the strategist for global culture, diversity, equity and inclusion for Walmart, the world's largest company. And I have to pinch myself every now and again uh, to when I think about that. I think about the magnitude and the gravity of that and, and I, I don't take it lightly. I love it. Now, so for those at home that, you know, hear that title, what does that all encompass? Because I would imagine that your job day to day changes. It, well, I, I'll tell you, the curveballs certainly change <laughs> and they come more than 100 miles an hour. Right. Uh, so it, it's everything from what are we doing for our associates in the field uh, that are underrepresented? It's everything from 
the whole entire associate life cycle because we don't have employees, we have associates. Right? Yes, I love and it. So from from the way from the way we recruit talent, uh, how we onboard and hire them, how do we develop, how do we promote, and ultimately how folks retire, all of that, all the things in between those. And if you can imagine, there's quite a few things that go underneath those big bullets. Yes. Uh, it's how we deal with the community. Uh, are we are we being equitable to the community? Um, it's just it's just a plethora of things when it comes to anything related to our culture, which is you know a lot of people get kind of wrapped around the axle when you when you ask them to define culture because it becomes this esoteric thing. For us, it's very very simple. How we do it here, five words. How we do it here, right? And that's that's really important because you can talk the talk, but really really important is how you walk the walk, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm excited to get into that today because your CEO, Mr. Doug McMillan, is really such a great example of someone who is, you know, Caucasian and but yet has not let that stop him from listening to feedback including feedback from associates that were critical to say you could do better Walmart. And instead of shying away from it or trying to justify it, he was like, okay, you're right. And this is how we're going to do better. So I'm excited to talk about some of the ways that Walmart has really stepped up to that commitment to not just impact the lives of their associates and those in the community that shop there, but to really impact the community at large outside of Walmart stores. So without further ado, let's definitely get into it. So Kevin, uh, let me ask, why was this such an important issue for you to get involved under this title? Because I know that you've told me while you've been at Walmart, you've had a series of different job titles and stuff. Why this particular one, though? Have you really felt like you found your groove? No, uh, thank you for asking that. And before I answer that question, thank you for recognizing our CEO, because I watched him on his maturation curve. And it's it's been really amazing to watch him mature through this process. So thank you for recognizing that. Um, for me personally, uh, this might be a little bit of a funny story, so I'm going to ask you to grant me some grace. I love right? it. So I was born in, in the Bronx, New York, born and raised in the Bronx. My mother was a European immigrant, a white European. And she, when I say white, I do, in fact, mean white. She was, in fact, she was so white, she was almost translucent. And my, my father was an African-American sharecropper born in the early 1920s. Wow. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I still don't know how the heck they got together, but they did. Uh, and they had the three of us kids, and I'm the baby. I'm the baby of the family. Um, don't let the beard fool you. I'm still the baby. Um, and, you know, growing up in New York City in the 60s and the 70s, for a lot of people, New York City is is like the, the epicenter for what you might think inclusion is. Well, mm -hmm. it's definitely the epicenter for diversity. There's no doubt about that, right? But when I was growing up in New York City, it was not very inclusive. I was never white enough for the whites. I was never black enough for the blacks. And it was the Puerto Ricans that brought me in. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I see myself sometimes as being Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican, Puerto Rican by, by heart. I love it. I love it. And trust me, these fat fingers have ground plenty of plantanos. Plenty. Trust me. When I, tell you. I um, love that. But I, that upbringing, mm -hmm. that, Tend to set the stage. So I've been doing this work my whole life and didn't know it. So I right. became a kind of a broker between you know different demographics uh, as a young age. And then seven years ago, I, I took the seat that I have now, and uh, and got paid to do this work. And I can tell you, you know, jumping out of planes and blowing stuff up, serving in the military, that was all one thing. This is the toughest job I ever had. 
This is the first time in my entire 37 year career that I actually have purpose. Wow. I literally have purpose. I want to pause there for a second. Welcome everybody that's tuning in again. I'm so honored to have uh, Walmart's Kevin Frazier with us. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service to our country, but not just in the military, but in the role that you have, because you really are shaping our community in different ways. And I want that to be a key takeaway for everyone that's watching at home is purpose, because it doesn't matter how much money you make at the end of the day. I, I think I've, I, I've had the pleasure of interviewing so many greats over the years. And one of the things that I have found in common is that word purpose. That as long as they found purpose, they felt they felt successful. So it didn't matter if they got that bonus or they didn't, if they knew that they were making an impact. And I would say I feel the same way. So to hear you say that the work that you're doing now is bringing you this greater purpose is, is very um, illuminating in many ways. Thank you for that, Liza. Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. So now that we know what your role is, one thing as we continue to talk a little bit more about what the diversity and inclusion was when you first started and where it is now at Walmart and some of the things that uh, you've done there and you personally, but also as a brand. Uh, one thing I always love asking people is what is your morning routine? Because I noticed that one thing that successful people also have in common is having some sort of uh, morning routine. You might prove me wrong, but we'll see. No, I definitely have a morning routine. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll spare you the gory details, but I'll, I'll, I'll suffice to say this. So I come into my office. This is my office space. Uh, and I do this. Hey, Google. Good morning. Hello, Kevin. The time is 7.40 p.m. Currently in Cave Springs, it's 37 Hey, Google. Clear. Stop. So I start off with a quick news feed. And Love then it. I say, hey, Google. Hey, Google. Play me some soothing music. I understood playing some soothing music. Is that right? Yes. Hey, Google, stop. So I get my news feed. I get some, hey, Google, stop. <laughs> I, I get my news feed. I get some music going. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself a religious person, but I'm certainly a faithful person. So I try to read a little bit of scriptures every day just for inspiration just to, to make myself feel small and that there's, in my mind, in my opinion, and it's strictly my opinion, that there's something bigger than I and that I need to serve. Um, and part of that is my creator and part of it is the people that I find myself surrounded with, right? I, I owe you, Liza, the best of me every day of my life. I owe you personally the best of me every day of my life. And when I show up, I need to be all the way in. So I gotta get my mind and my spirit right. Um, yes. So I, that's that's how I start my month. That's how I start my day every day. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. So big shout out to Roberto Carlos who says that he loves it too. He heard us talking about morning routine. He mentioned he has his hashtag cafecito in the AM. Are you a cafecito type of person? You how like can coffee? I, not be? I mean, I don't drink coffee. If it's a special occasion, then maybe I will. Uh, definitely, if it's like cafecito, like legit. I will, but I'm more of an iced tea person. Oh, look at you. You are ready to go. Love it. Mejor contigo. Hey, huepa. Oh, thank you so much, Roberto. He's talking about loving the energy of this combo. Now, you also mentioned another key word that I think is a great takeaway for everyone at home, which is uh, being of service. This is how I choose to lead my day every day, part of my morning routine, the very first thing. 
that I say that goes in alignment with service is gratitude. So the first thing out of my mouth every day is thank you. So I give thanks to the Lord and I always tell people whether that you want to call him Alibaba, whether you want to call him God, the universe, the tree, I don't care. But for you to literally connect to a higher energy above you and to recognize that you are blessed with one more day. Uh, you know, my family just went through this in particular in December. We've continued to lose as so many in this country have lost family members due to COVID. And we also had a tragedy with, with a car accident with another family member. And so it really he was only 19. So it really showed me just how precious yet again life is. And so any day and every day that I get the opportunity to play this game called life, uh, I, like you, really commit to double downing and being the best version that I can be. Because I know that my grandma raised me, my mom and my grandmother raised me with the belief that in order to leave a legacy, you have to live a legacy. So I always figure out, okay, what can I do today to move that chip forward to help my community a bit more? So to hear you say that, and that is what I want everyone at home to have is that takeaway is like, really ask yourself, what's your morning routine? What do you focus on? How do you start your day? Because to your point, Kevin, in order for us to pour from our cup into the world and into the needs that they need, we need to fill our cup first in the morning. And like you, I do take some time to read. I also get my flash briefings in the morning, get the news. And then I have this little one who I feed as I listen to everything to come Miss Tinkerbell. Uh, and she's there like, okay, yeah, so we're going to walk today or what are we going to do? But I really feel as having that routine, especially during this pandemic more than ever, really honing in on what that morning routine looks like to set the day for yourself when you know that the world is going to ask so much of you the rest of the day really has made a difference for me. And so thank you for sharing that. I, I feel like it's just always so helpful. And it's those little things that we do sometimes that don't realize that we don't realize have the bigger impact. That's fantastic, Liza. And thank you for that. You know, I, for many of us, and I'm sure this is the case for your, your multiplicity of, of viewers, um, we're selfless people, right? That you know, birds of a feather flock together. So are we selfless few, right? We we find ourselves together in the same platform often. Uh, it took me a minute to figure out. There's a reason why when you get on a plane, they tell you to put your mask on first. There's mm -hmm. a reason because you can't possibly help somebody else if yes. you're not breathing yourself. Yes. So it's it's. I think it's apropos. Hopefully, your your audience, your viewing audience, takes that away as a as a as a nugget. That is also one of my favorite visuals. Uh, anytime I'm on a plane, well, you know, as I like to call it, BC before COVID, uh, when I was on the plane, since I was on one so much, and I was like, all right, time to put our masks on, because it is just such a mental reminder that you can help others if you don't first take care of yourself. So I think that's fantastic. Now, speaking of visiting different cities, uh, it's for everyone at home so that they know I'm in Los Angeles, and Kevin right now is in Bentonville, which we're going to get to in a bit, because I feel like Bentonville, Arkansas is just such a special slice of land in our country that so many people just don't know, don't know. So I definitely want to touch on that. But first, one other great place that you visit that so many of us, do you know, especially this time of year is NOLA. And when you were down in New Orleans, you had an experience a few years ago where you took this program that you didn't necessarily think you needed, but you came out a different person. So can you share what the program is, what your thoughts were, and how that's really weaved its way, not into not just your personal life, but also at Walmart? Oh, absolutely. The The program you're referring to is called the Racial Equity Institute. And I didn't know anything about them prior to attending. Uh, and at the, at the request of a friend, a very, very gracious invite, uh, I flew down to New Orleans, uh, 
And I walked in, here's how I walked into this thing, the Racial Equity Institute session. It was two days, two full days, fully sequestered. You, you shut off all your, uh, your devices, you go in and you have to be engaged. And they never do more than like 35 folks because you start to lose the, the, um, the intimacy if you get beyond that. And so I walked in there with this attitude. I've been a black man my entire life. What the heck are they gonna teach me about being black? Uh, that's how I walked in. I walked out something like this. <laughs> Boo hoo snot crying. Boo hoo snot crying. Because everything I thought I knew, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know, truly understand the history of this nation. Um, I, I just didn't know it. Right? And so getting that, you talk about being woke. You, you got young folks running around talking about being woke. Yeah. Go to the Racial Equity Institute and then you will in fact be woke. Um, and so just a lot of things that were, were challenged because we live in a revisionist history, right? It, mm -hmm. it is what it is. I don't get to make that up, right? I, I just report the news. Yes. Uh, and so we live in that and everything that has been formed in this country has been built on systems based on advantaging one group and disadvantaging another group. Right. right? It, it, it is what it is. I, again, I don't get to write the rules. I just report the news. Correct. And so, you know, that just coming away from that fact and looking at things differently uh, that that was really that was hard hitting. It took me it took me a good Eliza. It took me a good solid week to get my scruples back after that because I was I mean it rocked me back on my heels. It really did. I can only imagine because it's the kind of thing where again when you don't know what you don't know, when that is actually you get to see the wizard behind the curtain, a la Wizard of Oz. You're like whoa 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 wait what right because then you start questioning. What were your beliefs based on? What can be different? What what ways have you maybe interpreted moments differently based on information that maybe wasn't totally accurate? Or what other sides of the story can you look at, right? So I like Roberto and a couple other people that are mentioning, they're like, it sounds like an amazing program. I'm like, yes, I would love, I'm gonna have to figure out a way to like go in someone's pocket the next time and be like, I wanna be here and, and learn. But for those of us who haven't been able to go through this program, what three takeaways would you say still stay with you today that you think would be of impact and valuable for others to know? Yeah, I think, how about I give you, can I give you two? Yeah, that's fine. I'll give you two. I'll give you two um, just because they just resonate so much and I don't even have to think about them. The first thing is the realization that this country is bookended in black and white. What I mean by that is you never are born or come into this country lesser than black and you're never born or come into this country greater than white. And so if we can recognize those as, wow. as the bookends, and again, this, this is not just African-American African black, because if you follow the slave trade, it came all the way through Brazil. Look at, the, look, look at Brazilians, right? There's colorism in Brazil. You come up to the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, Boricua, still living, uh, Dominican Republic, all, all those places. I mean, you see the people that are black, not brown, black. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so it, this impacts so many different demographics. It's not just an African-American thing, meaning a generational African-American. Um, this is really, really huge. And so, you know, if we solve for that, if we can solve for that, You've ever, certainly you've heard this term, 
a rising tide raises all boats, right? Yes. So if you solve for the least common denominator, everyone benefits to include, ready? Brace yourself, poor white people. Yes, I was gonna say, I knew it. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, but let's be real because you really hit something and I want people at home to hear that. Uh, can you, you said it so eloquently. So the book ends being that you can't come into this country any lower than a enslaved black person or you're just gonna say a general African-American person, right? 400 years ago, it would have been a slave, right? Correct. Today, it's African-American or black. Right, African-American, black. And then you can't get any better, of course, then and now, than being a specifically a white male, right? So uh, that being said, we saw this really play out in this last election where I was shooketh uh, with the amount of people that were uneducated uh, Caucasian males that voted for conspiracy theories and they were saying if it was the QAnon and the all those theories that really you know inspired them to continue to vote for for Trump and I remember reading in the Wall Street Journal a couple of different places and even Fox News had said like you know I think if anything it really shows we need to send um, more Caucasian uh, students to college like we're in in rural areas because Unfortunately, and I do think that there's something there even remnants from when this country did have slaves, right? Because we see this in communist countries where if those who are not educated are kept uneducated, then those who are educated can continue to have the power. And so really seeing, I mean, a variety of things, the way that the incitement happened, obviously, on January 6th, which just was shocking across all levels and the racial difference of how one is treated when you're storming the Capitol and literally on literally trying to have a coup versus when you're protesting for rights for equality is just is vastly different and for me it was interesting because I had so many people in my community be like well this is like the rioters last year and I was like nope 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 I'm like you have to understand there's a huge difference between a bunch of and predominantly, there could have been a few here and there that are quote unquote minorities, but predominantly Caucasian in the mix that were going in and were literally demanding to take our rights away and to overthrow what the American public had said versus people in the streets, myself including, asking that all people in this country be treated equally, specifically black lives because they haven't been. And so I'm like, there's a huge difference. And to your point, to what you were saying about those bookends, I bring that up because I really think it correlates in, in people understanding like, oh, it isn't just a one way avenue, right? And so now we're seeing that spilling over into work and to opportunities. And so thank you for that first takeaway. What was the second one that you wanted to share? The, the second one is, is I think a compliment to the first one and gives context to the first one. And that is a little bit to what you were saying. Uh, and it's really important. Um, and I'll start by saying, and this has nothing to do with white fragility. So please, yeah. I, I hope no one takes this away, takes that as, as the takeaway. The important thing is that none of us have created this situation that we find ourselves so situated in, right? We didn't create this. We didn't create the laws that created the policies, which created the systems and the procedures that created the systems that, that made all this happen, right? So in, in that case, blame, shame, and guilt are really, really debilitating emotions to, mm -hmm. th that get in the way that are barriers for progress, right? Blame, shame, and guilt. 
Uh, those are things that are really oh, debilitating for practice. Shame and guilt. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And if, if I could, since you since you touched on it, I just want to, you know, now I'm speaking as a veteran, okay? Now I'm speaking as a veteran who, yes. who served this country. Who gave, If I had nine lives, I'd give everyone to this country. Um, I, I, I promise you that in my opinion, the greatest threat to this nation, the single greatest threat to this nation is the divisiveness in the body politic. The divisiveness in the body politic is the greatest threat to this country. And it's a shame when our body of government is not even capable of doing its most simple function of passing a budget. That's when you know we have an issue. Yes. And if you think of the great symbol of this country, it is the bald eagle. And mm -hmm. she needs a healthy right wing and a healthy left wing in order Correct. to soar. She needs both of her wings, healthy and ready to work. I'm sorry, I'll, I'll get off that tangent now. No, not at all. I love, that is such a beautiful analogy because that that is it, right? At the end of the day, you know, really having that contrast and you, Lincoln spoke about it. I love if you've seen the way that the Oval Office has been set up now uh, by President Biden, that he has, you know, different portraits there for different meanings, including even a bust of Cesar Chavez, which I love, a bust of Rosa Parks. But he has a couple of the different presidents, Hamilton and, and Jefferson, and like, that he knew people that did not get along. And he was like, the reason I put them up is because I want to remind myself that you need a balance of both sides in order to really come out prosperous. And so I think that's a good, healthy reminder for all of us as we continue to move forward in these next four years, right? Uh, we need accountability, but then we also need to figure out what are these next steps. So now speaking about next steps, uh, I would love to talk a little bit about the benefits for associates uh, and in general, I, I guess what I, I highlighted on at the beginning, which was Mr. McMillan, which is the CEO, Doug McMillan of Walmart, how he really has taken to heart the Black Lives Matter movement and how he's really shown up uh, with all of Walmart, obviously, on behalf of Walmart to make right off the bat, which I really want to share with everyone, is a hundred million dollar commitment a hundred million dollar commitment to say we're putting our money where our mouth is to make our communities better. So it isn't just going to be in store. This is going to impact everyone around us. And in addition to that, we're making it so that we can uh, provide better resources for our associates to get trained, to get educated, to have skill sets and to grow, not just here, but wherever they choose to go. So if we can break those down a bit, because I want people at home to realize that as you and I were talking a little bit offline, that there's so many opportunities available at Walmart that people might not think about. And there's a lot of things that Walmart is doing behind the scenes or that they're not just, you know, out there with the trumpet sharing that would be of interest to our community. So uh, where would you like to start? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> ooh, where would you like to start? Let's see, I've got do we want to go with the associates here, I, here's where I'd like to start, if you would grant me some grace. Um, I want to first start with Doug, actually, if, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, I've watched, so this is my 10th year being at the company. And I guess it was three years into my career here at Walmart. That's when Doug took over the helm as a CEO. Mm -hmm. um, he walked into the role, one person. And then I watched him mature in this work. When I say this work, the diversity, equity, and inclusion work, I watched this man mature tremendously. And it's so amazing to watch your leader go through this process. 
self-admittedly, his words, not mine. Right. He's a, a white male who grew up in the South. And after he got back from Montgomery, the lynching museum, he was a completely changed man. Um, he went through this metamorphosis of, you know, I didn't know this stuff. And if wow. I knew it, I didn't know it. Like, know it. Yes, yes, yes. Know it, know it, right, in right. the spirit. Uh, so he forever came back a changed man. In his words, quote, unquote, I can't unlearn what I just learned. And so he embarked upon this mission of this is going to be, we're going to, we're going to walk the walk. Forget talking the talk. We're going to walk the walk. Um, and so he put himself out there and, and, you know, kudos to him. So it makes a, it makes a guy like me, my job much easier when the tone from the top, yes. the tone and the action from the top is spot on. It sure makes it easier because I get to walk around and say, well, look, our Doug said, yes. <laughs> Love the lid, baby. Love the lid. I said, and he and he's not just saying it; he's living it, right? So that I, I, I would start there. Secondarily, I would say, you know, I had, we went through uh, racial equity institute, and I remember four years ago, uh, I said I wanted to bring I wanted to bring it to to Northwest Arkansas, um, and people told me, no, you can't, mm -mm, you and can't do that. Knows that's where Walmart is based out of in Bentonville. So like in yes, the Walmart, in Bentonville, yes, indeed. Uh, in Bentonville, Arkansas, it's a little slice of heaven. It's like a mulberry on steroids. It's yeah. it's bizarre and all that good stuff. But um, I would, you know, folks said you, you can't bring Racial Equity Institute here to Northwest Arkansas. I said, well, well, you tell a kid from the Bronx you can't do something. That's like the last thing you want to do. <laughs> don't don't do that. And and so we brought them. We brought them here. Uh, and we didn't start inside the four walls of the Big W first. We actually started in the community. We started in the community, brought all the leaders in from, from the different systems, right? From the judicial system, the legal system, the arts and entertainment, you name education system, all the systems leaders brought them in and they sequestered themselves for two days. And wow. I, I won't, I'll leave the person nameless, but I'll give you this really, really quickly. So one of the, one of the leaders, uh, a, a white gentleman, a, a silver hair, presumably in his 70s, a systems leader uh, on day one says, yeah, well, this is all good. I, I appreciate the stats and all the things that you, you're sharing and the history, but we, you know, we've, we've come a long way. We've made progress. And no one in the room other than me had been through Racial Equity Institute. So I gave him grace because I knew what was coming on day two. Day two ended. And here's how he ended day two. That same gentleman, he stood up before God and country, raised his hand and says, I'm a damn fool. We haven't made any progress. And I'm thinking about all the people's lives that I negatively impacted unintentionally because I just didn't know. Oh. True statement. True statement. And so that's when I knew I was on Like in every literally elementary school and then a refresher course taught in high school and then a refresher in college. And just like we have, you know how you have to take your DMV test every 10 years. I feel like we need that for humanity because one of the things that again this last election really illuminated and even last year with the riots and the protests and people not understanding was that they thought they knew what was happening they thought they had an opinion as to what is right or wrong but unless you've lived it you've been around it you've you've really have seen it firsthand you don't know and to your point you've even really highlighted the fact that just because we live one side of it, you know, you as a black man, me as a Latina woman doesn't mean that we know everything. And so I, I, I just wish there was a way for us to 
make that possible for everybody because this just sounds so amazing and to have you really you know take it to the community first and then of course you brought it into walmart yeah i have an opinion about what you just said if you don't mind may i please, please. yes yeah, of course. So, so when i took this role that i have we used to do things in this work from a compliance perspective thou shalt thou shalt now thou shalt now use your words kevin frazier um and here's what's really interesting. It didn't take me long uh, to figure out that that was not going to work, right? That was not sustainable. Compliance is not is not sustainable. So we, I knew that we needed to go to a more, I should say we knew, we knew that we needed to go to a more social science, neuroscience approach to this work. What goes on between your ears? Because you have to build an inclusive environment first, because diversity happens whether you like it or not, right? Right. Diversity happens whether you like it or not, but what do you do to create an environment where people feel welcome, comfortable, and safe to where they give you the best that they have to give every single day, right? That's that's the goal. And just to just prove the point, I'll give you a quick analogy about why compliance doesn't work, and it, I think it will resonate. So every April 15th, uh, I have to do, what do I have to do every April 15th? Taxes, baby. Taxes, absolutely. And so I'm at the point in my life right now that and, and I'm not saying this to impress you, I'm saying this to impress upon you the, the magnitude of, of what I'm about to say. And that is, I have to write a check now. And so I gripe and moan. I mean, I used to just get just down and dirty with it. And finally, what, you know, like two or three years ago, my wife came into my office, she says, what is your problem? I said, what? She said, what's your problem? Why are you griping about writing a check to the government? I said, it doesn't make sense. She goes, you were homeless from the age of 15 to 17 in the Bronx before you joined the military. And now you make so much money that you have to pay some back. And then like any other husband in America, I, would, I said, okay. So my perspective changed, but my behavior didn't. So here's my behavior. I still wait till the last second on April 15th to take that check to the post office. I promise you I do. Uh, and, and here's another thing. I do not exceed expectations. I, if I owe $10, I'm not writing it for a uh, and And I'll take it a step further. A goodly part of the year is spent mitigating my tax tax exposure. Yep. That's yep. what you get from compliance. That's yep. not what we want here. We want people to gather at the table. Right, right. And really sorry. I went on a rant. I'm sorry. No, no, but I love that because it is, right? It's you cherry pick some things or you're counting pennies for certain things, but there's other things like this where we really want people to show up and give. I'll give you a quick example on my end too. So just recently uh, for the start of the new year and stuff, I had bought these special cupcakes, birthday themed cupcakes, and uh, I had got them at Walmart actually. And when I got them though, I realized that I had gotten a batch that they were gonna expire, I guess, like in a week or something. And so when I walked out, I was like, oh no, wow, I guess I have to eat these like really fast or give them away as, as I was thinking. And it was interesting because when I went back, they were like, well, it's totally fine. We, oh my gosh, don't worry. You probably just got in the cycle. We can trade them out for you. And then we'll take them back. And I was like, well, what are you going to do with these? And they're like, oh, well, we're just going to have to throw them away just because of COVID and everything. And I was like, oh, it's okay. They're like, no, no, don't worry. Like, we'll switch them out for you. I was like, no, it's okay. I'm going to go ahead and buy six more. And then I'm going to give these out to people. Like that was just a blessing from me from, you know, above uh, that this was a way for me to give people and at least they have a couple weeks, you know, days. And so I did, it was like, okay, who can I share some love with uh, that I would enjoy rather than just letting them go to waste. And so I, I took an opportunity that technically, I guess I could have got grumpy about and then decided to flip it and figure out how can I be of service and how can I pay it forward? Though I did, did appreciate 
uh, Walmart's amazing customer service, I thought, you know what, there's even something further I can do. I'm not just going to return them and let them sit there and get thrown away. Like, wait, what? So it's to your point of like, you don't just have to be compliant, right? But like, how can you really go above and pour in to your community in that way? So speaking of Walmart, one of the great things though that we've done or that we've seen uh, you all do is exactly that. Now having these programs at Walmart, can you talk a little bit about some of the benefits that the associates uh, there are getting and the conscious efforts that Walmart has made, even with their hiring practices becoming more transparent? Absolutely. I'll take that in two segments. So a key benefit that I think is tremendous, um, probably, and I'll probably get in trouble for this, but that's okay. I'm I'm a bit of a renegade. Um, Probably is this is on a scale of the GI Bill, uh, and that is Live Better You. Live Better You is basically a program where people can go and it's really, it's really, really focused. And I'm so proud of the company for doing this. It's really focused for our frontline workers in the stores. Um, and it's a dollar a day. You can get a legitimate four-year degree for a dollar a day, which means I need everyone to want to hear that a dollar a day. Dollar a day. All you have to pay is a dollar a day. Walmart's taking care of everything else. You can get a legitimate four-year anniversary uh, degree, and you don't have to stay at Walmart once you graduate. That's exactly right. You're not you are not beholden to Walmart uh, for that program after the fact. You know, it's, it's it's so that's what tells you that it's intended to benefit the people, right? That's that is the key indicator that that's a benefit to the people. It comes with no strings attached, no strings, and so for a dollar a day, you go to to, to get a four year degree, um, and Walmart picks up the rest, right? And, and so because last year, to add on to that, I know with everything going on because of COVID. Walmart even doubled down on that and now has made it that there's even digital certificates that you can do. So to make sure that you have options to go online, if there's new skilled trades that you need to learn in this new economy, since we're not, you know, doing things necessarily the BC before Corona way, that once we get to AC after Corona, you come out with these trades, right? So I love that Walmart saw the issue, saw where we were in time and thought, all right, Let's actually get ahead of the game and even empower our associates further to educate them. So, yeah, so live better you. I'm a huge fan. And can associates be a part of that day one or how long do they have to work in order to start taking advantage of that? I'm pretty sure it's day one, but don't quote me. Um, it is day one. <laughs> pretty sure it's day one. Again, back to the no strings attached, right? No strings attached. Um, so, but what's cool about that, too, right? So it's not just so you've got that. A couple of quick stats on that. So there's been more than since we launched that program, more than 25,000 associates taking advantage of that. And close to 50 percent are women and people of color. So that's a big deal. Right. That is a really big deal. But that's on the college side. But under the same program, and a lot of people, I don't think, understand this as well. There's several people that work in our stores that don't have a high school diploma for free. This program will put you through and get your high school diploma for free. So that's really cool. Right. I mean, that's really great. I'm, I'm really proud of the company. These are these are things that, that make me tick. Right? I tick. This, is, this is what I'm saying, right? Like this is part of this race, racial inclusion and diversity and really seeing that a company is sticking to what they're saying matters and to really showing how it does. And one of the other ways, and I'm such a big supporter of education, you know, I was the first in my family to go to college. I was raised by a single mother and by my grandmother after my parents were divorced. And so 
for me, I worked my butt off, but you know, I didn't have people to like guide me through what were those steps? What did they look like? So my mom was asking her clients. I was constantly looking, I was living at the library, you know, and I'm, I'm so blessed with the education that I, I have uh, and continue to pursue. I, I feel like every day I'm always trying to figure out what I can learn, but in doing that, it makes me so excited to see now other students applying for school, other students really, especially students of color, really reaching out and saying, I'm gonna take a risk, I'm gonna go out on a limb because I know that this is actually gonna do better for my family in the long run, as opposed to just going straight from high school into, into work, right? And so I love that if you have been in that situation that Walmart's there to back you up. And so staying along with that, um, I guess theme, if you will, uh, Walmart doubled down again, and in November of last year, they actually made the announcement of their partnership with North Carolina A&T State University, which is the top rank historically uh, HBCU. Uh, so can we talk a little bit about that uh, equity and education initiative that you all partnered with? Yeah, absolutely. And so I have to kind of take a half a step back in order to take a step forward. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was... Um, Last year, when Doug, our CEO, uh, made that $100 million commitment, right? He made a $100 commitment to, as being a, a chairman of the business roundtable, that we were going to double down on four key systems. Those four key systems were the education system. How do, we, how, do we, how do we drive out some of the inequities that are in these key systems? Mm -hmm. Education, the wealth gap, uh, healthcare, and criminal justice. Those four key those four key systems. And if you think about it, those are really four huge systems that disproportionately negatively in, uh, affect black and brown communities than not. Okay. Yes. And so as a result, and we call those shared value networks. Okay. They're those, each of those systems, the work that we do inside of our, the big W, the four walls of the big W, we call them shared value networks. I think it's important that your audience understands what shared value is. I'm gonna give you the, uh, I'm gonna give you the Webster definition. This is really important just so we all start from the same context. Shared value is a business strategy designed to solve social issues profitably. It does this by leveraging the resources and innovation of the private sector to create new solutions to some of society's most pressing issues. In doing so, it creates a more prosperous environment in which to operate, making business more sustainable and resilient. Now, let that sit with you for a second, and I'm going to go back and quote my grandfather. My grandfather told me, my immigrant grandfather told me, there's no greater and more honorable way to make money than helping someone. That definition right there. resonates with what my grandfather said, which yes. made that definition, I can get with that. Okay, because my grandfather was always right. By God, um, they always so, are. Yes, my yeah, my my poppy was always right. So so there. So that I wanted us to at least have that context before I, I I dive in for the rest of the question. And so you know, as part of that, the shared value network, the education SVN shared value network. Uh, one of the things this is the first investment coming out of that work, and that work is still fresh. It's new. We just formed those shared value networks. And this is the first investment, but here's the thing. The $100 million came from the foundation. Right. The Walmart Foundation. This $5 million investment in, in North Carolina A&T came from the business. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. It's I thought it was all- from 100 million, yeah, it's, it's okay. separate from 100 million. Uh, and, and it's just, it's, and it's, it's the first of its type, and yes. it's the largest that NCAT has ever received. 
it's it's a big time thing. And what it does is it sets up the it sets up the the, the process for doing more schools uh -huh. and expanding very rapidly. Like schools that really cater to the Latinx community, like Texas A and M, University of Texas Rio Grande, uh, yeah. University of Texas El Paso. Uh, we gotta get to I mean, the West Coast, a little UCLA. Like, what's up? We're, we're moving. We're moving. We're moving. We're moving that way. We're moving. But, but um, I love that you're again. It's not just investing, you know, in in education for them for the associates, but then to also say, listen, we see you that if you are a person of color, if you're African American, if you're Latino, and you would feel more comfortable in places going to a school that caters to some of your needs that others won't know. All right, we're showing up in that way too. So that just that warms my heart. As we know, our VP uh, is a graduate of, uh, of an HBCU, and so shout out to Howard. Uh, so it's really cool to see that incorporated into this fabric of this program that you're rolling out. So that's exciting. I, I'm, I really hope that people take advantage of that. If you're watching at home and you have been thinking about college, you know, and didn't know how to pay, we're going to talk about some of the opportunities at Walmart. This is definitely a way that you can get your education paid for. And even if you are a higher tier and you're thinking of a career shift, so we are going to get there. But before we do that, I would definitely love to dive into where has that $100 million uh, gone, any part of it? has Have they started building? Have they broken ground on building the racial equity center yet? Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, it's, it's funny, Liza. Five years ago, I, I don't think we could have said race and racism in the hollowed halls of Walmart. And, and now it's you, you can't go five feet without having that discussion. And, wow. and so that's and, and it's not it's not necessarily contentious. It's people are curious and want to and want to they can see what's going on. So so the answer is absolutely things are breaking ground. Things are moving. I'll give you a for example. Uh, I won't give you the dollar amount because I don't think that would be appropriate, but I will tell you a significant investment has been made in closing what we call the digital divide. Um, so uh, through a program called the Million Connected Devices Program. And so we dumped a bunch of money into that. And what this does, you know, before COVID, BC, right? Before COVID, I'm totally stealing that, by the way. So BC, before COVID, um, Black and brown communities were struggling inside of the public school system to begin with. Yes, right? there's already a big digital divide. Then you've got big business moving towards, you know, AI and robotics and all these things. So that gap was opening really quickly uh, and, and really, really wide. Uh, then COVID happened and that divide like exponentially expanded. And so being able to get black and brown kids connected devices, right? Not just devices, connected devices and the education on how to use them to get Correct. educated. Correct. Right? That's what a million connected devices does. And we are boots in the sand right now as we speak, deploying connected devices and the education to go along with them. To, we started in Atlanta. We're, we're moving next to Chicago and then Minneapolis, then Detroit, then New York, then Newark, and then Oakland. Coming out to you, sis. Coming out to you. I love so, Oh my gosh, that just warms my heart. I have done uh, a program back when Nokia was still with us. Uh, I did a program with them and with an athletic uh, sports company, and we created a program for kids where I'd like to call it uh, Reality Skills 101 of, uh, for black and brown uh, students, uh, such like ourselves, that weren't taught key skills of life. And to be like, listen, Nokia is giving you a phone. But this isn't just for you to be on Instagram. Like, let's actually go through how you can use this as a device to get educated and to get ahead. So to hear that you all have 
are doing something even better than that, but have expounded on that to really empower those that are young to know, okay, I see you and I want to give you a heads up right now on how to, you know, keep your studies going is fantastic because it killed me last year seeing so many students having to be outside of like a um, Walmart sometimes, but even a McDonald's to try to get some of the Wi-Fi because they couldn't get, you know, their homework done. And some of them didn't have devices and they used to depend on the library. And with COVID, everything being shut down, now they weren't going to be able to do their studies. And unfortunately, the schools just were like, well, if you can't get on Zoom, I guess you're just not going to pass. I'm like, wait, yeah. no, there has to be a better answer. So this is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's great. I'm very proud. I can't say it enough, Eliza. I'm proud. I'm proud of, I'm proud of what, what we're doing. I can't wait to hear what comes next as that, you know, $100 million continues to roll out. And again, because it's going out into the community directly, knowing and being very well aware, Mr. McMillan, that those in the community are shopping, obviously coming to Walmart for so many of their essential needs. So a big shout out to all the frontline workers at Walmart that have been there during this pandemic to make sure that we can get the things that we need. But that said, I love that Walmart is also uh, very knowledgeable and takes the time to acknowledge that unless these basic needs are met, they can't even go shopping at Walmart, right? Exactly. So that exactly. I think is, is the key. Like one part definitely uh, connects to the other. So in speaking of, of that, you know, one one of my favorite uh, initiatives that Walmart does is Mejor Contigo, which is amazing, right? To really speak to my community. We uh, there you go. We actually uh, made some pozole, one of my grandmother's uh, recipes. I love that you can get fresh produce at Walmart for a very low price, organic even, made some delicious stuff there. Uh, so that to me is fantastic. So as we make the shift over to discuss, you know, a, a bit more of how the community is benefiting, there's one particular avenue that I feel is a bridge between both Walmart business and then Walmart entrepreneurs in the community as we continue to now to start talking about different career opportunities. One thing that Mr. McMillan also said that he was committed to was that he identified that there's an overlap in minority suppliers as well as the marketplace, right? And who's selling. And so uh, I just want to uh, give a big shout out. I know I have so many entrepreneurs within my community that, you know, that are entrepreneurs of color that are constantly figuring out like, how can I get my stuff in a big store like Walmart? And sometimes not knowing, they just are like, oh, I just don't know that that's ever possible. So I do appreciate that Mr. McMillan has made that also a key tenant of something he wants to improve on. So can you talk to me a little bit about what that looks like now, what you all are doing? Absolutely. And thank you for that, that question. Um, so we talked about the shared value networks. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the shared value networks is the, is the we call finance. I affectionately call the wealth gap because right? that's what we're actually trying to do. Right, we're trying to close the wealth gap, and so in that there's two basic uh, strategic pillars inside. The, and I actually uh, have the great honor of serving uh, on the on the finance SVN shared value network. So it's broken down into two key strategic pillars. One is personal finance. What do we do to help people with personal finance and become experts at personal finance? Uh, what normally is what I would call tribal knowledge and for the majority, for those of us who are not members of the majority, what's right. the tribal knowledge to get from point A to point Z on personal finance? So set that aside. The other one is around building wealth through business. Uh, and since we're the world's largest employer, we're the world's largest business, world's largest retailer, fill in the blank, world's largest. And I don't say that to impress you again. I say that to impress upon you what comes with that, right? A, a tremendous amount of gravity comes with that. Um, 
One of the things that we decided that uh, was we had to double down on because we talk about supplier diversity all the time, right? What I, which I'll yeah. which I'll switch to say supplier inclusion, right? Diverse supplier inclusion to mm -hmm. be exact. If you took the top ten co companies in the country and combined their diverse spend, it still is less than what we spend singular as one company with diverse suppliers. Take the top yeah. ten companies. I want you. I want that to sit with you. Combine those revenues that they spend on diverse suppliers. We spend more. Here's part of the tricky. Here's the tricky part. The tricky part is because of our size, our girth, our scale, it for us to break a company unintentionally. Wow. Meaning we, we need more from you than you can possibly produce. So what we decided and said, well, if that's the, if that's our reality, if that's the problem statement, then let's go solve the problem. And, and here's how we decide we're going to solve the problem. Let's invest in supplier, diverse supplier capacity. Help oh. teach them. Yeah. Let's let's teach them to find ways of scaling a business, help those those businesses uh, grow their abilities. Uh, and, and we're going to invest in that. And, and then when you think about it, the Italians, I grew up in New York City. So the Italians call, called it uh, abundanza, right? And that's loosely translated as abundance, right? Which says the more you put into the pool, the bigger the pool gets, the more everybody gets to take. I like Novel thought. Shared I value. It is a shared value. So I shared the link, speaking of that, in the comments for everybody where they can click to learn more about how to be a diverse supplier, learn about the program, because I do think that this is this is great. It reminds me of the mindset and the dedication of Miracle on 34th Street. I always love that they would make the little catalog and would tell you, even if they didn't sell it, where you could go get it, right? Because they really wanted to show up and really to provide this customer service. So in that way, I see what you all are doing and I'm here for it. So now switching gears, now let's say you did want to work at Walmart. Uh, I do believe, as I mentioned to you before, I think so many people think, oh, okay, well, working at Walmart is me working at a store. But as you and I were speaking offline, there's so many opportunities there, regardless of what field, if it's health, if it's, you know, uh, technology, even aviation. So can you speak to some of the opportunities and the commitment that Mr. McMillan has really made to even be more transparent about the jobs that are available? Absolutely. And, and you know, <laughs> so I, I'll say this. I'll say this. I'll start off by saying when I was asked to come to Walmart, um, I had a mental model about Walmart and I was like, mm -mm, that's not going to happen. And then uh, when um, the individual who was recruiting me said uh, that it was the home office was in Arkansas, I was like, oh, definitely no, that's not going to work um, because I had a mental model of both Arkansas and, and, and Walmart. Both have turned out to not be accurate, by the way. Um, because that was 10 years ago. If, if, if it was, if, if my mental model was accurate, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you today. Um, uh, so that's been disproved. The day I started, I started with someone who came in, who basically was, you know, a, a keyboard puncher and now is flying planes in our corporate fleet. Um, I can't believe that. Like, that's, talk about just like advancement. Hi, I'm behind the keyboard. Hey, I'm landing. What's up? How you doing? <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, and and so if you name if you name a profession, I guarantee you we have a job for that. You want to be a pharmacist? Guess what? We have jobs for that. You want to be an RX tech? Guess what? We have jobs for that. You want to build computers or write software? Guess what? We have jobs for that. You want to you want to 
unload trucks, guess what? We have a job for that. You want to be a cashier? We have jobs for that. And, right. and you can start at any of those places and move to a plethora and multiplicity of different functions. I have, I've had six different jobs in 10 years. I love that. And including in corporate. Like, so if you wanted to be in Bentonville, if you wanted to come and work with some of the brands there, that is a different, you know, option that you can have. And so I love it. If you speak more than one language, Walmart also appreciates that they can put you to work there. They have, I, anytime I've been there, I love hearing German and French and Spanish. Like I've heard so many conversations just being in the square there. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, that's super exciting as well. So I shared the link uh, in the comments and it's, so fantastic because Doug did make, uh, Mr. McMillan, again, the CEO of Walmart, did make that a commitment that he wanted to post every job below the vice president level online so that everyone could apply, everyone could see it. And as a result, you all are actually getting quite a bit of notoriety for you know being a one of the top companies for talent acquisition for women of color specifically. I was looking at the list and I love that. Uh, you are in great uh, company. You have Kaiser Permanente at number one, a couple other health companies at number two and number three, and then a hotel brand at number four. And then you are number five. So you're literally the first retail you know, store that's there. And I was like, okay, that definitely speaks volumes that this is an environment where women of color and, and those of color can really thrive. So that to me is just very exciting. And I would uh, encourage anyone at home to definitely check out careers.walmart.com. Uh, to see some of the other opportunities that are available. Yes, indeed. And and yeah. so for anybody who shared that kind of the same mental model that I had about Walmart before, because I will tell you this real briefly, Liza, that, yeah. you know, we generally come from a, a, a very humble type of culture, believe it or not, the Walmart, the Walmartians. And so we don't tell our, we generally haven't told our story well in the past. Right. And if you don't tell your story, somebody else is going to tell it for you. And it's generally not the story you want told. It's so true. It's so true. Well, speaking of stories, one thing that Walmart has also done is really picked up the baton, if you will, to tell a better story of the way America looks today. I think that, you know, it's safe to say the last four years we've been struggling with really having our identity uh, properly represented. And so I want to show everyone before we wrap at home uh, this commercial uh, that I... There are memberships for all kinds of things today. But what about memberships for bigger things? Human things. What about being a member of a family? With all of its truths and trials, bad days and good. What about being a member of the community with all of its unexpected smiles and knocks, hellos and waves? What about being a member of humanity with all of its questions, challenges, possibilities, and hope? What if there was a membership that gave us the time to do the things that really matter? One that celebrates the things that connect all of us. Welcome to a different kind of membership. every time i'm telling you i saw it the night that we opened football back up and i was like yes that is actually america that is what the america i know looks like that is amazing and i actually had to go look this up as i was sharing with you i was like how did this commercial get made you know being an actor myself and a tv host and content creator i 
go into producer mode. I'm like, wait, what's the backstory? And I was fascinated to find out that there was, because of COVID, right, these two-person skeleton crews that were sent out to over 60 different families that really show uh, the diversity we have in the United States from, you know, all different nationalities and genders and relationships and, and economic uh, factors and really captured it. So you have all this raw footage and whoever edited that just did such an amazing job to really show a slice of life. And what really, what really struck for me was right now in this pandemic, a big shout out to all our farm workers, the farm workers of the United States and Puerto Rico, keeping everyone fed. But what shot out to me from that is that we are dependent on services. So like, like Walmart plus, right. To be able to provide these things for us. Uh, it doesn't matter at that point, if you have a fancy car, if you can't get it out of your driveway. So I appreciated how on point that was to capture the essence of what America is and those COVID, um, nuances that really are connecting us in ways that we might not have thought of uh, before. So can you share a little bit about where that came from? It's the, that's the first commercial. I've also seen some print ads that are really showing more diversity. And that is a big move that I'm seeing Walmart make consistently. So I know it's not on accident. Where, where did that come from? So it comes from our purpose. Our, our purpose, and for those who don't know what our purpose is, we save you money so you can live better. That's where that came from. That's the source of, of where that, that work comes from. That work comes from the very purpose that we all live every day. And, I, and I'll double click into that a little bit to say that our, our average customer has $66 a week to feed a family of four. That's our basic customer. And it's millions of people, millions of people, $66 a week Wow. to feed a family of four. If we don't deliver on our promise, people are going to have to choose between do I feed my family or do I get them socks? And that's that's not a that's not a good choice. In the United States of America, mind you. I'm, I'm just okay. saying. I'm just right. saying. Those are not choices that families should have to face. So you ask where that comes from? That comes from the very source of why we open our doors every day. Wow. We save you money so you can live better. We live that. That got me all choked up. I'm like, because it's so true. If Also, if you are at home and you haven't tried Walmart Plus yet or delivery, there's a link in my Instagram bio that you can click and you actually will get $10 off of your first $50 purchase to help you. Every bit counts we know during this pandemic, especially as so many people are still waiting for their stimulus check. And to your point, that is actually, I love uh, buying the groceries there because they're organic, they're fresh, right? And they're always a great value. And so it does make it super easy for me. And if I know that I'm not going to be able to go out, because I've been doing my best to really limit how much I go out, but it, especially right now, but uh, I love that you have Walmart Plus as an option. So thank you so much for that because the, it's now free, right? Shipping is free on that. So again, Walmart realized here's a need where we can solve it. Why are uh, to your point, if someone has to spend $8 on shipping when that could have been a meal or a pair of socks for someone, then maybe they just end up not using it. So for Walmart to, again, really be forward thinking about that and close that gap, it means so much. It just example after example tonight we explored of how Walmart has really been walking the walk and 
And I, I do believe it has to do with leadership such as yours and of Mr. McMillan. So I want to thank you, Kevin, so much for being here with us tonight. And as we wrap up, can you share with us a little bit about what, what do we have to look forward in 2021 with Walmart's initiatives? Oh, there's so much. Um, Something you can share, just a little, little something. Um, I would say I want it to be something impactful, but I, there's there's certain things I'm, I'm limited to. But here's what I can guarantee you: we're going to be there for our customers every single day. That I can promise you. We're going to be there for that mom who has sixty six dollars a week to feed yeah. her family for. We're going to be there every day, and we're going to make sure that the shelves are stocked with my favorite Cholula. I was getting to that. Hey, if you all know, <laughs> I, I'm such a taco lover. So I was gonna ask you, Kevin, what is your favorite hot sauce for your taco? So I love it. Cholula's your jam. Okay. Cholula's my jam. How and anything from Jose Cuervo, how can it be bad? Right. So, uh, okay, absolutely. But what kind of tacos do you have? Are you a Farnasada man? Are you a so, I'm a barbacoa guy? I make barbacoa for Sunday breakfast. I love, I mean, I lived in Texas for 25 years. So okay. um I'm a barbacoa guy. I like barbacoa. So you're bringing the next text meat, the new Varican into your cooking. I'm pretty sure. I feel Absolutely. like I'm, I'm going to have to come over at some point when my next time that I'm in Bentonville. I'm like, let's you open go. Up my spice, you open up my spice cabinet. You will see Sasson. You'll see Adobe. You'll see it all. I love it. I love it. Okay. Well, final question for you. Uh, as I love to ask everyone, uh, as you know, we opened up speaking a little bit about your morning routine. I would love to close. Is there a book, a song, a poem, or any piece of art that you would recommend to those watching that has helped you expand your mindset in some way? Absolutely. Yes. So if over my first, I'll say a little quick piece about this uh, this art piece. So everyone knows Rosie the Riveter. Can you bring say her can you grab her? Is it possible to bring her closer to the camera? Let me see. Let me see. Yes. Okay. So that'll be great. Let's see if he can bring her so we could see her. I hope you all are enjoying uh, our chat tonight. If you are still here uh, live, feel free to leave a comment. If you're watching a replay, feel free to also leave a comment so that we can hear your thoughts and your questions. All right. Kevin's back with us. Oh my gosh. It is her. Wow. We can do it. Black Rosie the Riveter. That so, is awesome. I'm inspired by that because, um, well, I don't even have to say. Just look at, just look at it, and it. You should get inspiration from that. The and other thing I would say. Who was the artist? Who was the artist that made that painting? His name is Derek Scott, and he's Derek. actually an attorney at the company. <laughs> Shut up, Derek Scott. If you want to be an attorney at Walmart, we hire attorneys too. So the other is this book called Stamped from the Beginning, and it's it's by Dr. Ibram X. Kendi. This book has completely changed my life, wow. uh, and I highly recommend it. If you want to understand um, the definitive history of racist ideas in America, I strongly recommend that book. If I was Oprah, it would sell out today, but I'm not Oprah. I'm just Kevin. So. Wow, I love that. So what was, how long did it take you to read that? And was there something that- A had long time, a yeah. long time, because it's a flipping huge book. It's huge. Yeah. But um, it's one of the it's one of the books that uh, gets recommended out of the uh, Racial Equity Institute. So it's really, really powerful. I promise you it will not be, it won't, it, it, it won't fall 
uh, flat and won't get lost on you. It's it's really, really, it's provocative as all get out. Oh my gosh, I love it. I actually am gonna order that. Uh, I'm gonna have to get that, pick that up. Hopefully they sell it at Walmart. I'm like, I definitely want that. Of course uh, you do. Yes, I love it. And I don't know about you all, but I am going to figure out what box of Cholula I can send to Kevin to try to see if I can get the syllabus from the Institute because I want to go, I want to learn. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Uh, and I, there is one question that's uh, coming that I did want to ask you before we leave because I feel like you would be the man that might have the answer. What advice would you give to someone that is currently in a job that maybe isn't as woke as Walmart is to help them really move the needle forward uh, for racial equality and inclusion in the workplace? Start having the conversation, right? Have the courage to have the conversation and dispel anything that revolves around blame, shame, or guilt. Right. Don't come. Don't allow that in the conversation. Don't come from that position. Have it just an open conversation. I, and I'll, I'll tell you how possible it is. So our CEO, Doug. Literally rented out the movie theaters around the area and asked every leader in the company to go watch the hate you give and then come back and have a conversation. So thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people went and watched the movie The hate you give and we're asked to have a conversation about it after the fact. I mean, who do you know? What company do you know does that? What CEO has the courage to do that? So it's that's what's possible on the other end of just starting the conversation. I love that. All right, you all. So that is your homework for change. Start the conversation, right? About racial equality, racial inclusion. And here's the thing, here's the catch. If you aren't a member of a quote unquote minority group in the United States, you can still start the conversation even more so because I bet you if anything, more people will listen to you because one of the things that we talk about, about how to be an ally, I'm always asked is you don't have to wait for us to leave. Y'all can lead us down that great path of unity just as much, uh, you know, cause it is mejor contigo. And I definitely think that the world is better because of Walmart and these different initiatives that you all are doing and the leadership team there to make sure that our communities are strengthening even during these difficult times and that there are places for us to go. I love that Walmart is super safe. Uh, anytime I've gone there, I always feel safe with the mask, with their cleaning processes and everything, even wiping down where you're gonna put your card in and the glass. I was like, okay, on it. So I love this commitment inside and outside of the stores. And I just wanna thank you again so much, Kevin, for being here with us. I look forward to hopefully uh, having some tacos in Bentonville, that little Mexican restaurant you all have, which I love. Uh, if you haven't been to Bentonville, you definitely have to check it out. The art there is amazing. And with that, we will see you next time. Hasta la próxima. Bye, y'all. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Bye.